0: Hello, new and faithful listeners, and welcome to Remainders, the podcast dedicated to exploring the wonder and joy that is the movies, the old, the new, the remembered, and the sometimes forgotten. As we record this episode, it is February 13th, 2024, and our love of film is certainly in the air. Today, we'll be discussing the 2002 biographical comedy drama, 24-Hour Party People. My name is Darren Varel, and joining me is my co-host, Patrick McIntyre, a man who never disappoints when it comes to texting movie memes. Great to be back with you, Pat. How have things been going for you?
1: What's up, buddy? Uh, Always such an elegant introduction. Always putting me to shame. So, and my uh, clumsily ones. Uh, I'm doing great. How are you today? You got your coffee this morning?
0: I do. It is early as uh, we've been finding our sweet spot pretty early on here.
1: Well, early for you. I mean, i've 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 got my uh, list of uh, stuff already done, being two hours ahead of you. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: LA definitely is uh, moving uh, a little slower than Chicago. So, I guess that makes sense.
1: Uh, is that the case? I think it's just more of a geography thing. So, <laughs> could be, could be. But you
0: know, I think a lot of people sleep in more here than they would in Chicago. That's just my my take.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. yeah maybe. I mean, I I went out running by the lake this morning, and there were a decent amount of people there. So. Yeah. yeah. Especially how cold is it right now? Uh, it's nice out. I mean, it's nice for me. I mean, it's February in Chicago. It should be way colder than it should. It's uh, really? feeling almost early spring over here. So I'm definitely enjoying that and taking advantage of it.
0: Yeah. Take it while you can. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Love
0: it. Uh, so are you ready to get into this great film? 24 uh, hour party people?
1: Yeah, this is a wild. Life. I had seen this. Pretty quickly, right after it came out, and I really did not remember much at all about it. Uh, I remember texting you. I was saying, like, yeah, I remember this was one that I got from Netflix DVDs. Uh, We're showing our age here. But uh, when we used to get the that was our main way of watching movies was the actual physical DVDs, uh, which actually officially just ended last year. Um, And I remember watching this one liking it but i had not really thought much about it or remembered much while on this rewatch and it was uh great that you picked it because this is a great fucking movie it's so unique and what the way it wants to tell the story of post-punk in manchester 1970s
0: well i had thought that i had seen this film before and i i never had um so this was the first watch for me And I'm just going to get into a little synopsis, and then we can discuss it. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have seen this, maybe a few that haven't. But either way, um, interesting to put together music and film. That's both things that we love very much. So, you know, the smaller the audience, the bigger the history. Yeah, yeah. 24-Hour Party People from 2002 is a British biographical comedy. And I suppose you can say drama as well. The film is directed by Michael Winterbottom, starring Steve Coogan as Tony Wilson. Tony was an influential TV presenter, record label owner, nightclub owner, and man behind some of Manchester's most popular bands, including Joy Division, New Order, and Happy Mondays. The film looks to tell the story of the Manchester music scene and the bands and people within it. The film begins with the early punk rock of the 70s and moves through the club and rave scene of the 80s and early 90s. This film explores many recreations of real-life events, even placing the actors in the room as it cuts to live footage of the bands performing. This gives the audience a real sense of what it might have been like in those rooms. At times, it's hard to tell what's real and what has been recreated, uh, at least for me. The main character, Tony Wilson, often breaks the fourth wall to fill us in on fact versus fiction, or at least what can be remembered from those who lived to tell the story. All these years later, love is still tearing us apart, and Manchester is definitely still looked at as the Mecca for some of the best music of our time. Patrick, I'm excited to dig into this. Uh, What were your initial thoughts watching this here in 2024?
1: Well, just how uh how much of a, a beast uh, steve coogan is uh <laughs> looking at his uh i mean he's always been somebody i love uh and every time he shows up and everything but uh yeah looking at his db it's uh he's got so much stuff that i've never even heard of obviously a lot of stuff overseas in britain that uh, just maybe we have not really uh been privy to here but um it is i get why he's such a towering figure because uh he carries this movie in a way uh that i think few people could do like because there's like as you uh pointed out it's just like such a a blend of tones between uh real life and fiction uh telling the story of these real life characters but then presenting it in a docu drama faux docudrama way that obviously embellishes a lot of it it goes off in weird tangents and it really is his charisma and his ability to bring drama and deadpan comedy that just ties it all together.
0: Yeah. It's funnier than I thought it would be. Um, it's actually a lot, this film is a lot different than I thought it would be. I, I didn't really, I suppose, know as much as I thought I knew going into watching this film, I was hoping I was going to see a lot more about Morrissey and the Smiths and they don't cover that at all. Um, except at the end when they say, uh, you know, you probably should have signed the Smiths, which is an, an amazing part of the end of the film. When he yeah. thinks he's talking to God, which is himself. Um but yeah, I I I've not myself uh not that there's anything wrong with these bands but i don't really know much of new order i don't know much of joy division um i know those are bands that a lot of people in the punk scene and the rock and roll scene and of course people who like the manchester scene are very very well aware of um but they've never been super on my radar they've never been bands i've just you know gravitated toward listening to so i kind of enjoyed seeing that there is or you know hearing in this kind of fun, whimsical way, uh, the story of what it was like to kind of get this scene popping off during those times.
1: Um, okay, yeah. I mean, so that's 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 a good point uh, to start off. Yeah, so Joy Division and New Order were never really uh, your jam, basically what you're saying, or just not really.
0: No, not really. You know, I mean, even, even the Sex Pistols, I like the Sex Pistols, but then um, there's something about not being american bands that just didn't really gel with me early on i think the you know yeah for sure i was more i was more uh, closely related to the ramones and stuff like that and then like even with the ramones and their that was my entrance into punk rock of course and then that goes into like the sex Pistols, and then everybody who like loves the ramones at least in 96 which my, a lot of people might not know um there was Lollapalooza, and then there was like a bunch of like um At the time, I think Sex Pistols were doing like a reunion tour or whatever. And there would be um, like even like in magazines, I had this Lollapalooza magazine uh, and it was the Ramones last tour. And they were kind of shit talking the Sex Pistols because like that band, as many people do know, was put together as sort of like a, I don't know kind of like a way to make money and so like the ramones always looked at them as like fake and everything but then there was the clash who was put together not put together but was an actual band that started and formed largely because of like bands like the ramones except they, they were musically a little bit higher above you know they were a little bit more intricate in the way that they were making music so um it's weird it, it's kind of like i was kind of more like pro-american bands back then because of the way that the it was being discussed. Uh, the Ramones were yeah. kind of like, fuck the sex pistols. And I was kind of like, yeah, fuck those guys.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. You were easily influenced by granted. One of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, but still influenced by that for mm-hmm. sure. So yeah, I, I gotcha. But I that kind of
0: closed off everything, I suppose. And and I, I would never be that way now, but you know, oh, yeah, back when I was obviously. coming up at 16 years old, I was like, yeah, not really open to hearing much more about the world than what existed inside <laughs> the Ramones bubble.
1: Yeah. I No, I got you. Uh, I mean, no, yeah. New Order was a pretty pivotal band for me, kind of like a gateway band. Uh, one of those, uh, one of those, like if you're in like middle school and you start discovering music that was made before you were born, basically. And that was always a band uh, that I loved early on. Um, I know a couple family members, like my father would listen to them sometimes. And then, um, so I was definitely of the age of new metal and uh orgy covered blue monday uh and new metal is making a comeback uh sure because of nostalgia these days yeah. so that's that's good to be it's good to see because new metal was always uh kind of seen as the uh the uh beaten child of the music group back in our day uh they covered blue monday and that kind of led me to new order and you know it was just one of those things where music you know if you just keep on tracing it back you're going to inevitably discover new stuff that you'd never heard or that was more influential and so yeah new order was always a big one for me uh love joy division obviously so that was great to see this in this and it was kind of again treated in a way uh of like uh true life but still um Playing with comedic tones, uh, obviously, even around the uh, death of Ian Curtis, the singer of Joy Division, and his right. uh, inevitable suicide. You know, everybody, most everybody watching this movie, knowing his uh, fate, is was uh, would be waiting for that moment to see how it's handled, and it's handled in a pretty, uh, you know, serious but still comedic on the uh, on the outskirts of a tone. So, it's good. Yeah,
0: I I thought they did that um, pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of it is kind of like commentary too about like rock and roll and like obviously the the beauty that is the creativity behind making art and making music but also like the dangers they explore that and then they also explore like kind of like why business and and creativity don't really mix sometimes very well um actually that's a large part of the story here um as we we find out as the movie goes on um
1: but I just, I mean, I love the way it's handled. Though you have the suicide, and it is tragic. But then you cut to uh, Tony Wilson Coogan's character discovering it, and he's obviously hurt by it. But then he still has got to move on with business, and he ends up having the town crier, uh, an actor, right. yell out the death of Ian Curtis to the to the. Uh, and
0: they're watching it on the news.
1: Right. <laughs> it's so great. Um, it was reminding me. I mean, just quickly little tangent. I mean, I hadn't seen this since it came out, but the movie Control is a uh, biopic on Ian Curtis. Uh, Samantha Morton, uh, she's in that. And awesome, Sam I R- love her. Sam Riley uh, plays Ian Curtis, and that one is a far more serious docudrama covering his life. I haven't seen it since it came out, uh, but I remember liking that quite a bit. So if you're looking for something more serious on uh, Joy Division, that would be one to check out.
0: I actually uh, never heard of that. I would really like to see that. Yeah, that's a good reco.
1: Yeah, it's um, like like... Um, what year was that? Uh, 2007. So yeah. uh, five, year, five years after this movie.
0: So Samantha Morton had such a cool career. She was just in The Walking Dead a couple of years ago as a pretty big character. And I remember being like, damn, I, I remember seeing her in like The Crow um, and like obviously a bunch of different films. Um, she's done um, kind of uh, under the, like she kind of like one of those cool, amazing like lead slash chara- uh, character actors that you don't really like know fully you're like where do i know her from you know
1: oh yeah so well she looks different in um all of her roles so right she kind of has a chameleon kind of vibe to her even though it's uh, her face is familiar she's such a good actress she can slip into so many different vibes
0: yeah totally and i mean so this film uh directed by michael winterbottom you seem to had known some of his work before i i didn't really do you, is that true do you know some of his other films
1: i only recently just looked at his imdb um really the only one uh, that i'm seeing that i've seen on his uh top movies was the killer inside me mm. um that's a uh one with casey affleck actually uh based on a uh novel uh pretty dark pulp uh crime uh thriller but yeah that's pretty much the only one that uh major one that i've uh that's been on my radar from him i mean he works with coogan a lot and so they, they've done a couple of um uh well he did the trip which is uh, a pretty great movie with it's steve coogan and uh rob bryden and it's just basically them uh traveling and riffing on each other and if you've ever seen the two of them doing uh they're dueling michael cain impressions uh on mm-hmm. youtube that's what that's from mm-hmm. um yeah, but not like a not like a huge person that's been on my radar too much.
0: Oh, okay. So more of a Steve Coogan uh, fan going into this film, then and that was your knowledge yeah. of yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, for cool.
1: sure. I mean, I always, I mean, Coogan for me is uh, his. Uh, uh obviously lots of great stuff but uh, we covered it here and uh with uh coffee and cigarettes is his segment with alpha merlina which is a close second to the iggy pop and tom wait segment in that movie as oh, being my favorite you know, it's
0: just dawning on me that's right that's steve coogan in that yeah. and he's so good in that scene <laughs> yeah. oh my god
1: <laughs> Alpha wow. is like yeah you're actually my cousin uh, can i get your number uh Kind of a rule i don't really give out my number <laughs> and then he finds out he's uh, connected to spike uh, spike jones and whatnot yeah uh, they're so good together yeah, yeah i mean and- that's the beauty of coogan is that he's just he's so prevalent and so dry with his humor that sometimes it's just it, it, you love it and it, it just keeps on going
0: and the cinematography in this robbie muller do you know that nope
1: you gotta teach me you gotta educate me on that
0: well that's someone who works with jim Jarmusch, like. Pretty oh, okay. much religiously. Uh, I believe he just died. Uh, yeah, it looks like 2018 he died. Um, but yeah, he he did Repo Man, dude. Um, Ooh. Um, a lot of... Look, a few... I'm um, looking at his... Di- um, looking at his Wikipedia right now. Um, some stuff with Wim Wenders. Um, Paris, Texas
1: looks like, yeah. Dead Man. Yeah,
0: which nice. Paris, Texas, I mean, as the cinematography goes... Um, yeah, I'm trying to say Uh, so the J- Down by Law starts in '86 with Jarmish. Um, then uh, Mystery Train, dude. I mean, all these amazing Jarmish films, pretty much Robbie Muller cinematography in all of them. Uh, Dead Man, I mean, wow. Um, so yeah, it looks like 2002 he did 20 24 hour party people with uh, Michael Winterbottom. And I mean, it's got a really cool like, it's really hard to almost read the titles on this, you know, because they're so like punk and they're like kind of like splattered uh it's got a defi- definite aesthetic to this film um when it goes to like going back to the footage it's obviously 2002 and some of the recreations have to go back to the 70s so when they shoot those recreations they definitely have like the film stock look of the time period and oh, yeah, even yeah. you know coogan has uh like longer hair and those 70s things it starts out really weird too like it's actually like a kind of a cool thing because you're watching this film you're like am I watching the right movie? Like he's doing this (laughs) like, like hang gliding trick or something in the beginning. And that's like your way into it because really Steve Coogan was a TV personality. And so they're kind of getting you into who Steve Coogan is. And he says it all the time. Like, I'm just a, this isn't a film about me, but I'm like a, a, a part of the film, you know, I'm, and he kind of leads it, but it's more about the music scene and everything. And really it is about him, you know, but he's as the narrator sort of.
1: Well, yeah, the vibe of Coogan is all right there in that first scene. Yeah. Like you're saying, like he's doing the, uh, the hang gliding, uh, and then he lands and then he talks. He starts talking to the camera. He starts telling me like, Oh, this is what this movie is going to be about. And and i think he says something like i'll be your icarus uh or i was the icarus of this story uh obviously referred to like uh icarus flying too close to the sun being like him in his role of like bringing post-punk to the people uh, mm, i love then-
0: that uh, wow yeah flying too close to this like magic yeah. that is the music scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 but then
1: he has that but then he says it's just like imperfect british steve cook confession is like and if you don't get that reference you probably don't read enough <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah very good i actually yeah. love because obviously he does show up as icarus there at the end um telling him he kind of did a good job just a uh, full circle as of course and then you know after that scene you do get into the room where uh he sees the sex pistols on stage but it's a good introduction to the characters in the film. That was a great way to do it because they're all in the room. And he says something like, there's only like 46 people here. Here's my wife who, you know, this guy over here is going to sleep with. uh, And then, you know, this guy also is probably one of the most influential people in music. And it's all like a bunch of people just like enjoying the Sex Pistols and kind of saying like, because we all got to see the music that came through town like this, like this is, this sparked all the creativity and he says it again later in the scene where the, the hacienda is closing and he goes, go steal everything, steal the musical instruments and go, you know, make some good Manchester, uh, creativity, some good cre- Manchester art with it. Um, which was like a nice little moment. Um, cause it's kind of all about, uh, the scene there and and kind of continuing it on into the future. Uh, maybe even past, uh, you know, the 80s, which of course we know Oasis is a, uh, you know, a Manchester, a big Manchester band, and others. So a uh, really cool way to uh, intro all of the characters that you're gonna see in this film.
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely get the vibe, uh, even if you're not too familiar with these bands, or you no. Know, like you said, they show the Sex Pistols, the Jam, uh, Iggy shows up for a second, uh, Susie and the Banshees. So like, you really get a pretty complete understanding of the vibe of the music even uh, globally, I mean, they give you from Detroit and whatnot, uh, of uh, the type of music that they're going for, and uh, his role and in that influence of post punk. So I mean, yeah, like you're saying, like, the credits, uh, I love it showing that DIY style that throwback to it. And again, this is, I mean, this movie is now over 20 years old. Um, and so it's basic, we're basically halfway, like, in 2001, when this was being made, it, we're basically as far from then as that was from the music that they were making almost. So wow. that is kind of uh, the, the shift in time and seeing how like things constantly come back and, and the stuff that never leaves, the, the certain vibe of the punk culture that never, that never leaves mainstream culture.
0: Yeah. Um, so much to look at in those 20 years um, and how music has grown or Evolved
1: or devolved, I suppose you could say. Or not grown, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Not saying that that's the case, but you know, you know, it's it's a a malleable thing. So
0: I would say, you know, there's one thing about this film that kind of got to me a little bit. I think it's a little long. Um, I feel like this could have been edited a little bit more. Um, What do you feel about that?
1: I mean, yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, my guess is there was like they could have had like an eight-hour cut of this movie. Yeah, the way they, with the way they shot it, and and I, I definitely know Coogan's vibe is to just put a, a camera on him and just let it roll for hours and hours and hours. Even though like it's a lot of improv, it's still meticulous in that.
0: Okay, UK, so you think so. this is a lot more improv in this film then?
1: Well, I mean i don't know for sure but i just know he has kind of that vibe at least but at the same time um it's almost like i I think he like has a very meticulous idea of what he wants to be but then he just lets it grow from there so i could see like a seven eight hour cut of this movie being available yeah but uh yeah i mean it's what is it it's just just under two hours right (laughs) Uh, yeah, I it's think like it's an a, hour fifty or something like that. So it's, it's I just not, feel
0: like some of the club scenes they just kind of go on like a little long, and I feel well, maybe yeah. it's also a product of the time. I was yeah. actually just reading in that Siskel and Ebert book about how they were commenting on music videos and how like some music videos that were happening at the time were going to influence the way that films were cut. You know, maybe that's my problem. Maybe 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 I'm. Just, not even realizing it, but like, I'm part of this social media culture now where I'm like, everything needs to go faster or something. Um, yeah. But just the pacing felt a little slow for me at times for this film. Uh, really my only criticism, cause I, I really did enjoy it. Um, even though like, I thought I would know more about these bands and I didn't really. So it's kind of cool. Like you don't really get a full backstory of the bands either. It's not like, this is not like a documentary or anything no, no. like that, yeah. you know, it's just about a scene and a time in history And more so, like I said, like, even though he says he's not the main character, you are really kind of getting more about um, who the Steve Coogan character like is and and was. Um, And he died, uh, looks like in 2007 or something like that. Um, So pretty young, but he was like definitely behind a lot of the bands that were popping off at that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the style captures... The hangout vibe uh of it's going for like you said you don't learn the uh, specifics on a lot of the characters but you're just there to hang out with them and um i mean so at the end uh he basically gets an offer uh for the factory and the hacienda uh which are the two clubs uh where all, everything is going on and he's well, the factory it's, it's- is the, the record label right The factory, I got a little confused on which, because they had a couple different places they were bouncing around, but I know the Hacienda is, so the Hacienda is the party, is the actual club.
0: Yeah, and I think the factory is more the record label, but you know at the beginning of it, I thought, I thought I think he had the idea to have a club and a record label so I think it was kind of both. Um, But yeah, go ahead, sorry about that. Uh,
1: No, I mean, yeah, I got it jumbled around there, but so the Hacienda is the main club and he gets an offer for the company. Uh, and he says it's not an organization, it's a, it's an experiment. And so that kind of captures what is going on in his mind as, as, as the entire mm, impetus of like what he's trying to do and what his character was trying to do with with everything and the music that he was trying to bring to the people. And it, I think that captures it perfectly. And also kind of explains why it's more uh, about the vibe and the hangout uh, style rather than any specific story.
0: And the uh, you know adding to that, it's like, um, sorry. So Tony Wilson is who Steve Coogan is playing, and Tony Wilson, at least from what I'm you know seeing by he's how he's portrayed, is kind of like the fan, you know. And no wonder the 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 record label and the club didn't didn't right. survive because like even the way that he put his uh, contract in blood that all of the the <laughs> bands get to have. All the rights, and so of course, that's not going to make him any money. And like, when the guy comes to buy, you know, he's interested in like the back catalog of New Order and everything like that. And this is the guy from London Records, and he's like, Okay, I'm gonna give you this much for all this. And he's like, Well, at least I didn't sell out. The one thing I could say is I didn't sell out, and I can go down with the uh, I I can afford myself that, (laughs) whatever he (laughs) says. And so, it's kind of interesting because, yeah, it's like you said, we're just hanging out with these characters, and like. This guy wasn't a businessman in the, in the sense of, you know, wanting to make money on these artists. He just wanted to see, like, and be a part of, even though, like, they're making fun of him half the time because what do you do to, like, record label people and, you know, people that are seemingly authority figures in, you know, the music scene? You, you, you talk shit about them. You think that they're the enemy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so he doesn't really get uh, much love, and he never gets super mad. Like, even at the end... When the guy from the Happy Mondays basically goes off to an island, fucks around with money, does drugs the whole time, and they paid him to go do that. And then he comes back and has to sell him, you know, the tapes back. He doesn't even get mad at that. At the end, he's smoking like hash with him or whatever. It's like, yeah. you know, okay, cool. This is what artists do, basically, you know.
1: And that makes sense for cooking because like so much of uh, what I've seen, at least, is always him being kind of like a pompous Kind of a semi pompous character who's a little bit in over his head and always ends up being the butt of the joke. So it's kind of a little, uh, certainly in line with uh, the character. Not so much pompous, but uh, Coogan definitely plays him a little bit uh, smartly. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that that captures like I was thinking about the that, that line, like saying, "At least I didn't sell out," and how that's how different that is now Mm them back then. I mean, in the 90s, the worst thing you could do in life, Mm -hmm. especially as an artist, Mm -hmm. is to quote unquote sell out and just how much that is not even a notion anymore man you're so right about that i the mean the idea of selling out is not anything anybody young would think is a bad thing really got not him. at least like for not like uh, there's the worst thing so
0: i mean you're so right about that and I, I haven't really thought about that in a while like that was always like the fear is like if you're a musician you're going to sell out and you don't want to do that and, you know i was even thinking about that recently with green day and like you think at this point in their fifties that they give a fuck about like all the shit they got for like selling out? Like they basically started punk back up in the nineties. You know, mm. all these other bands were so lucky to have Green Day doing that, but yet they got so much shit from their like scene for selling out. And like here they are, they're just like living in mansions for the last thirty years based off of a fucking hit record that they had. Nobody cares about that anymore. But then the alternative is the people who are selling out online these days, right? Like the people who are just like trying to be influencers so that they can sell a fucking couch or you know some uh some Pepsi product that's a you know knockoff brand, anything they can do to make like $20, you know, from some company and they don't even know what they're hawking. They're just like, okay, let that money come in and I'll sell it to the public, um, you know? And I'll worry about if it, if somebody dies from the uh, concoction that's in this yeah. Pepsi product uh, later, you know? It's totally selling out every chance you fucking can in this t- the world that we're living in right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, it's, it's, uh, it's why, yeah, like I said, I can remember, but if, like, you saw a band you like them, but then you saw them in, like a commercial or something, you'd be like, "Fuck that band!" And now it's just like most people would be like, "Right." Even the Ramones,
0: that's... like, yeah. anytime you see a commercial, it's like Blitzkrieg Bob, you know. <laughs>
1: And now it's like, I guess, I'm just thinking of like somebody of the younger uh, in their teens, if they see a band like in a commercial, they're like, yeah, well, good for them. At least they're getting their next record funded or something like that. Right. That's just, I would say that's just generally uh, closer to the idea and how different that is from this 2001 film covering the 70s. So it's like covering both sides of that.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, at the end of this film, one of the best things is like, you get to see a little bit of the history. You get to see the way that like the arc of like, the scene and um you know you kind of get the get the idea that it's going to still go on like music is still going to be made still going to be created it's not like it's over but it's kind of over for these characters at least and you get to see um this room at the hacienda and all of the characters from the beginning even the ones that are gone like ian curtis and everything in the crowd um and sort of like this is where Steve Coogan as Tony Wilson is sort of reflecting on the time that he's had and just like how kind of amazing it was, you know, by seeing all of them dancing in the club together. Uh, it's kind of a beautiful moment in this comedy, comedy drama here. Um, but what do you think about that scene?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty impactful. You're, you're talking about the very end, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Like I said, it kind of took its time with it. And you see the ghost of uh, Ian Curtis uh, for a second. Uh, He just sees him dancing and then looks away and see that he's obviously gone. Um, And I thought that was like a perfect kind of uh, uh, vibe to like uh, capture, like the ghost of uh, this towering figure is just going to keep on um, uh, being a presence for everybody going forward. Yeah. Yeah, artists live forever, right? uh in a perfect world yes some of them unfortunately get freedom yeah um casting i mean ian curtis uh sean harris it was awesome to see him uh show up he uh i don't know if you got to him but he plays uh the big bad lane in two of the mission impossible movies um i think rogue nation and fallout Hmm. and so seeing him uh, uh he's got those early scenes as ian and he's like confronting uh coogan's character and like uh threaten him to fight him at the beginning and you could just definitely tell that this guy has a he was so perfectly cast as like somebody who's like might go off on anybody at any time
0: yeah i actually haven't seen you know we didn't get to those or whatever but uh lenny michael james i recognized from the walking dead universe um he uh he was in also i think fear the walking dead but uh was a really big character in those um and he's really good in that so that was kind of cool to see him and then you know we get to see andy circus of course right
1: (laughs) andy circus so this is uh i keep on i say keep on saying is this 2001 or 2002 so this 2002 2002, Mm -hmm. so this came out the same year as uh the two towers (laughs) so basically the primary the first time you're getting a a, a view of Gollum, and so right, this, you don't
0: really in the first one right
1: no yeah definitely not uh and certainly not his performance uh and so to have him in this movie in that same year is hilarious and because he just sounds so much like it I mean he still does but like he's really in that Gollum uh phase when this movie was being shot and then so he's the producer he starts uh producing is it for the happy Mondays uh their their album yeah yeah and then he's having like the drummer go out on the on the roof you just keep on drumming for until i say to stop and he's still doing it night and then he just goes off and he ends up uh gaining so much weight and he just looks like this fat golem uh in that scene and it's he's so great like to
0: see heavily um you know costumed out you wouldn't really yeah. even notice it was him unless you had seen the uh, credits right
1: um I mean, if you've watched uh, Lord of the Rings a thousand times, like I have, you can oh, definitely yeah. pick <laughs> up the on Circus's voice. Yeah. Yeah. You're not gonna, if you've seen that a lot, that voice is tattooed mm-hmm. on your mind. So true. Yeah,
0: yeah I guess that, uh, the, and that's the thing is like it's it's really fun seeing like those um, kind of insane producers. Like those are those are always fun, you know, like the guys who are just like making you do the like, and of course, it's kind of like so like okay well it's, it's going to be this much an hour and of course they're fucking around for half the time you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i love that shit and then when you first get introduced to him he's like okay it's going to be 50 quid an hour and uh you know i want rights to everything basically and uh he's like yeah steve coogan's like okay <laughs> and then the next scene they're in the studio and he's drinking heavily and smoking and making him do this stuff on the on the roof and everything, and it's just great. It's great to. And what what did he say when he's recording up there? It's like, "I'm recording, uh, I'm recording nothing or
1: something." Oh yeah, he's just on the ledge, just with the with the boom mic. I'm recording nothing. Yeah, so good.
0: <laughs> uh, I didn't even put that in perspective. That that was at the same time of him. What a big year for him, huh? Two thousand
1: two. Oh totally. Yeah. Um. Just quick tangent. I rewatched the Planet of the Apes trilogy andy circus's caesar trilogy i can say with confidence that is one of the most underrated sci-fi trilogies of all time um i don't have you seen those movies the ones that came Uh, out between like 2011 and 2017
0: uh, No, so uh i remember seeing the tim burton version right well yeah Yeah, that's different which was earlier um and then i think i may have seen one of those films later on uh i'd like to revisit those it's not like i don't like those um
1: Well, they're very so the the Andy Serkis trilogy. He plays Caesar, and he is the main focal point of all three movies. He's the only character uh, that is in all three of the movies. All the human characters come and go. The first one has James Franco, uh, second one has Gary Oldman, third one um, Woody Harrelson, and but it's all around Caesar, uh, the story of Caesar played by Andy Serkis, and he's the focal point of the whole trilogy. It's a an amazing through line. The second and third movie is directed by Matt Reeves, who did the new Batman and um, Cloverfield. Great director. Those movies are so underrated. Um, I think uh, they are going to be uh, remembered for a long time because of their quality wow, and, cool. and and, yeah, and largely because of largely because of Andy Circus's performance. I mean, he is the main character of the trilogy, no doubt. And I feel like that kind of got lost at the time. At the time of them coming out, like the idea of an entire trilogy being based around a CGI character, even though it is Andy Serkis, it certainly wasn't marketed like that. Um, and like I said, he was the only character to go throughout the whole trilogy. No human character is in more than one movie. Hmm. And so I feel like that maybe some people lost uh, the idea that it was his own story in that. So oh, super um, cool. Um, awesome yeah, I mean, him, so. I think
0: you like sometimes these movies, they are marketed the wrong way um, in retrospect, you know, like right. you, exactly. Here we are yeah. all these years later and it's like, hmm, you know,
1: I mean, the even still the idea of marketing a trilogy around a you know non-human face i guess would be still uh you know a hard thing to do but more yeah. so yeah yeah uh circus classic man. uh we also got simon pegg early uh, yeah shortly after space this is still before shawn of the dead so it was awesome to see him just show up
0: Shaun of the dead season. 2004 so this is like a couple years before right yeah yeah that sounds right uh it
1: doesn't doesn't he? he just has a couple of good lines and then he's at the funeral and that's it. So um, this, film,
0: I, th- this film is celebrated. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say like, it's like my favorite movie I've ever seen. I really liked it, but um, this film is like, looked at, I mean, Roger Ebert loved it, you know um, it's scored really high in Rotten Tomatoes. And a lot of people like really, really, really loved it. Um, it's kind of interesting. I, I think like I've been hearing about it for years. I'm like, again, I thought I've seen this film, but I never did.
1: I mean, yeah. With the subject matter, it makes sense. Um, uh, the that's music true. of this era is is certainly timeless, and it's it's definitely going to be remembered for a long time. So, as it being a pivotal moment in in music,
0: yeah, that's a good point because people are like coming in for the music. Really, you know, at at, at the end of the day, it's like I want to hear, um, see New Order, you know, yeah. Joy Division, those kind of things.
1: And I mean, New Order is still going. I mean, Peter Hook he just played a couple shows at the uh, Metro. Uh, here in Chicago, not that long ago, so and they they sold out really fast. So uh, there's definitely uh, still a lot of demand for that uh, for that vibe.
0: You know, it's crazy to think. I believe um, this is the year we lost Joe Strummer, two thousand two. A um, lot of lot of interesting big names uh, around this kind of music were were dying around this time. I mean, we lost. Uh, Joey Ramone the year before in 2001. That's what I was just about
1: to ask. I thought it was 2001, but I wasn't yeah.
0: sure. And then 2004, we lose Johnny Ramone. Um, so, wow. Yeah, this is uh, kind of timely as far as like, you know, some big figures passing away. I don't know what it is about some like punk rock and everything. It's like th- nobody really made it past their 40s, you know.
1: <laughs> they made it past the 27 club at least. So there's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and like Didi Ramon died in 2002 as well, right? Yeah. So, wow. Joey Ramon, 2001, Didi in 2002, Johnny in
1: 2004. Crazy. Definitely end of an era. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, okay. That is 24 hour party people. Anything else you wanted to talk about with this film? I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad it's like the first time. I I think I would have been a little bit more enthusiastic had I known more about the bands before, or had I like enjoyed more of their, um, back catalog. Um, I, I just not super familiar. And, um, maybe that's my fault. Maybe I've never, uh, you know, sometimes I always say that like music, is something I don't get until certain periods of my life, you know, like mm-hmm. even the Clash. Like I didn't, re- I, I still feel like I'm still trying to get them and try, and try and understand them all these years later. I mean, I love them so much more than when I first heard them, but it takes a while sometimes for the best music to really permeate through my system.
1: Uh, yeah, I thought I, I, I mean, I know you're a huge Clash fan. That's that's a little surprising yeah. to hear. So um, that it's taken a little time with it. I just re-listened to Sadenistas. Uh, and that album is fucking great.
0: Yeah, it just That's of one. Crap, uh, so. that, that's that's a that's a big volume to uh, to sort through. You gotta t- you gotta spend some time with that one. You know,
1: that was like. I mean, I've never owned a physical copy of it, but it was like a three CD yeah. original. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. My yeah. my CD of it was three. Yeah. Hell yeah. Three volumes, so that's, if that's how we're gonna gauge uh, how big it is, yeah.
1: I mean, that's like, that was never really done. I mean, it was a huge deal when. Like Blonde on Blonde was like basically like a two album um, uh, set. uh, Bob Dylan, yeah, Blonde on Blonde uh, that because that was so much longer than really any other album at the time. And then in the seventies with them doing that, so that's it. Definitely, you know, it takes balls to be like, yeah, we're making an album and it has this much shit that you have to listen to. So
0: right, and I think they went to Jamaica to do it and everything, and I think they they recorded that in Kingston or something.
1: Yeah. Uh I mean yeah you you should uh, you're going to have uh, more than enough people tell you to to listen to more to uh, to Joy Division and New Order. I mean Unknown Pleasures from Joy Division, uh Power Corruption from New Order, um Those I would definitely recommend just listening to ASAP. So at least for my experience.
0: For sure. Yeah. After watching this film, I'm for sure going to get into it again. You know, it's like uh, I feel like there's like some things I'm really, really focused on and I know a lot about uh, music wise and film wise. And there's some things that are just like a whole, like you could see, like there's like a whole kind of um, genre or, or, or like a scene that happened that I wasn't, you know, privy to, which is kind of the fun and exciting thing about films like this They can open you up to, something new to explore and to enjoy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, new order being such a pivotal band for me at a young age, it's uh, the DNA of watching this movie is all in there and it's a beautiful thing to see.
0: Okay. I have to comment at this point. So thank you for uh, indulging me in 24 hour party people. I enjoyed it. I think you did as well Uh, for everybody out there. It is right now streaming on criterion channel. And I believe a few other places that are free uh, on the internet right now. So check it out, uh, especially if you're a fan of the Manchester music scene from the seventies to the, to the early nineties. And I think you'll really, you'll really dig it. My, comment is really just right now about your background (laughs) and i knew you know when i saw you i was like there's some new stuff it it seems to grow every time and i i love the popcorn with the fucking uh killer clown coming out of it and of course i know you you're such a big fan of godzilla but uh in particular recently godzilla minus one uh so that's cool to see what does the sign say back there for anyone who's uh not listening uh or not viewing on youtube he's got um his dvd shelf filled with uh great dvds it looks like he's getting his (laughs) physical media going again but he's also got a few toys back there uh which uh can you explain to the audience what we're seeing
1: uh just stuff that's been in storage for the last two years uh since i moved uh and that i had not pulled out uh so you got the yeah the um killer from outer space so that's a custom made um piece that i found at uh, i think flashback Horror. it's a horror convention cool probably would have been 15 years ago um, Wow. yeah so i've had that one for a long time uh the sign is uh, i found in a um in a flea market uh about a decade ago it's a v- it says vhs horror sci-fi and it was oh, actually hell yeah it was from a, a vendor who was clearly selling like some old stuff from a closed down video store and that awesome was just, like, this was the easiest uh, purchase i can make uh, totally. decision that i can make that day uh the godzilla yeah that's just one i've had for a while and then in the middle is the um the thing uh it's macready uh in the kennel and it's, um, I've had that one signed by basically the majority of the cast of the thing over the years. Really? Um, yeah, it's got a good, I mean, Carpenter, Carpenter, Cinematographer, speaking of, Dean Kundi, signed it. Basically, everybody who is still alive that, uh, who's not, I don't have Kurt Russell signed it yet, but all the other actors uh, have signed that piece. Uh, so that's definitely my uh, my go-to Um uh, merchandise spotlight for that movie. We'll There's go good, over that. Good movie. energy behind that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So that's just stuff that I've uh, you know had in storage for about the past year, and I'm because I'm pretty lazy, I just haven't brought it up. But I, I like that.
0: it. It's fun to see it in the uh, in the background there, kind of like a nice uh, a little shrine to some good films, you know. And I, I especially oh, yeah. I'm glad you told me about that sign. I just think about all the people that would have like you know cruised the movie section and and been going past there to like pick up a great movie on uh you know friday saturday night just to like chill out and uh, enjoy that's a great sign
1: the vhs horror uh that section on a friday night was pivotal uh the one the the cover that still sticks with me is the dead alive cover uh with her the skull coming out oh yeah yeah that one is obviously that movie kicks ass and i saw that you know later but i still it was tattooed on my mind. Seeing that cover when I was like eight or nine years old, and be like, "What the
0: fuck?" Yeah, is Yeah, the movie? impact Jesus. of like a thing. And I remember like the the monkey shines. Is that it?
1: Yeah, like with that's the, the wind
0: one. up. That's another one. Right. Yeah, like the just yeah. having a great cover like that can just say so much, right?
1: Speaking of you know great cover uh, uh, movie posters that uh, that uh, is so pivotal that we were discussing last week. So
0: yeah, totally. Um, okay, so any good movies you've seen other than what we just watched? You've been going to the theater
1: uh not a theater a ton i finally caught up with poor things yorgos yorgos lanthimos's new movie uh which was quite good um i don't know what else to think about it it's a loaded movie i don't know have you seen it with venomous stone yet
0: no uh we've been really wanting to go uh but it, you know again it just has to do with time but it looks yeah. it looked great to me i mean good cast you know
1: great cast uh i liked it i think that's about where I'm all I'm at with it right now. So, gotcha. I mean, I love Yorgos. I mean, I've, had, I've never really rewatched any of his movies, but every one of his movies that I've seen, I absolutely loved. Um, I would like to rewatch uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer because that's the one with the... Um, that's Colin the A24
0: f- film uh, that he did. I think that's like the start of his A24, right?
1: Uh, it might have been.
0: Colin Farrell, um, is that right? Colin
1: Farrell and I'm forgetting his name from banshees of Inisherin, very very Oh. Okay. uh yeah so it's the two of them uh before killing uh or before uh banshees of Inisherin, and i remember that one being off the rails uh and really enjoying that one and i like the favorite a lot um but yeah there's a lot of movies that i just haven't revisited so it's uh you know the, the poor things i was kind of more confused not confused but uh definitely uh kind of most ambivalent about in terms of reaction to it, but I did like it quite a bit though. So
0: I'm a stone having a, an incredible year. Um coming off the curse and poor things, I know.
1: Uh I do need to keep on watching the curse. The curse is fucking fantastic. Yeah, so where
0: would you it's... end up on? Are you halfway through or something? No, I'm still on the first episode. So oh yeah taking
1: my time with it because it's yeah, yeah. to come in, but um I mean I have been catching up with a couple Russell McKay movies uh, director of uh, our one of our favorites, a uh, Razorback that we covered on the show. Uh, yeah. Um, he's a, I mean, just an interesting director. Cause he has such uh, a style. Uh, you know, we discussed his background in music videos and Razorback scenes being such like a, a kind of innovative B horror movie from the 80s. But so I've been revisiting Highlander, which is not really one I saw too much as a kid. Uh with Sean Connery. That's fucking incredible. Uh I watched Jesus, he did that. He did
0: Razorback and Highlander.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, makes sense now that you say it, but uh Highlander was like a pretty big hit, if I recall. Yeah, correctly.
1: that's certainly his biggest one. Um yeah i caught up with so the music box uh was showing resident evil extinction which is i think is the fourth movie uh in that series they showed it as a midnight movie over a weekend two nights and the music box is obviously so so great if they're showing anything you actually there's a reason somebody wants you to see it they have their programming like somebody's saying like this is a movie you should check out like an important film yeah and I only learned after the the showing that it, that's a Russell McKey one that he directed that one so I rewatched that yeah clearly the best of that series um mm-hmm. and then also I re- I watched uh The Shadow from 1994 with uh Alec Baldwin um Oh right yeah is that a is that a superhero
0: movie. yeah that's what I yeah. thought yeah wow um interesting picks here this last well, couple it's
1: weeks. all Russell McKey movies so that's the, the through line and so catching up with those uh and so it's been really cool to see his uh directing style over a lot of movies that he's never been like the name to sell any of those movies uh you know he's never risen above as somebody like oh we're going to go see the new russell mckay movie and he's still working um but it's great to see uh uh a little bit of appreciation with that and my next one is rico ricochet which i've never seen it's a denzel washington movie from the early 90s what so. the fuck yeah. what a career this guy you know uh, he's a worker like his imdb is stacked so you know these are just uh some of the more popular ones that i'm catching up on so so yeah. that's been uh and it'll probably all lead up to a rewatch of razorback in a couple weeks so
0: <laughs> yeah unsurprisingly so yeah great film obviously uh cool but That's um, been taking
1: up my time how about you what do you got going on
0: yeah you know we uh it, it was it's been rainy um Like pretty bad for a few days. Earthquake a couple days ago. Uh, Oh boy, classic California shit. Um, But that was earthquakes happen
1: all the time. Yeah, they do. In the the nineties, according to movies, in the nineties, California had an earthquake every single day. Uh, Yeah, that's what I was taught from the movies in the nineties.
0: They kind of do. It's just like sometimes you just don't really feel them. The other day it was like literally uh, because of my weird schedule. Like I'll wake up at like four a.m after going to bed at like, you know, 2am. So I don't really sleep much. And so during the day, I'll work really hard and get all my work done to a point. And then before I know I have to get onto something else, and I'll take like a little nap, like in between there. Or if I'm really going, I'll go for a run. But either way, that day, I decided to like get into bed right at the time that the earthquake happened and I'm in my bed and it's like, almost like you put one of those coin up, like, you know, old school. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and I was like, okay, I can't go to sleep now. It's a fucking earthquake. Um, yeah. So that happened after uh it seems like every year lately, since I've been living out here, this kind of happens like early. It's been rainy as hell, like few days of like extreme rain and then like some kind of weird earthquake. Thing And then it's like sunshine for the rest of the year. Uh, So that happened and it wasn't much to do, but we did during a rainstorm go see uh, Kate Berlant. She's a comedian, definitely in a lot of films. She was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the girl behind the ticket booth that takes Sharon Tate's picture. Uh, she had like a a, a, a one woman <laughs> show called Kate uh, and we just saw mm. it in Pasadena, which was really good. I I liked it, I think more than my girlfriend did, um, which is interesting. Cause like, I wouldn't go to these things on my own. It's usually her who, you know, has us go, but uh, we really enjoyed like where we went and, and, and we enjoyed, you know, just going to these things. It's, it's nice out here because um, there's a lot of good productions happening and um, kind of spoiled that way.
1: I'm trying to think. Uh, did you she, have something? To so, on what was her name again? Uh, Stephen So you telling me uh, her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So she is in a great skit. on I think you should leave. I think the first season. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have you caught up with that. Uh, no, I do not watch Robinson? it. I, I, you I, my
0: girlfriend I mean, loves it. I know you guys would probably I, talk it, talk your ears off on it.
1: It's some of my favorite um, sketch comedy of all time. It's so fucking great, but she's in the first season. There's a whole sketch. It's like, it's a longer one all centered around her. Uh, uh, she basically gets uh, the house. She inherits... The, she buys the house of the creator of Garfield and they stage an intervention at the house of Garfield. They, Amazing. It's, it's so fucking great. And she's so goddamn hilarious in that. I just really haven't seen her in too much other than that sketch and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that must have been uh, awesome to see her. I'm sure Oh uh, Yeah, I've,
0: really. It was cool. You know, like I've seen her a few times that there's another smaller theater over here called the Elysian Theater. Um, she did... Uh, A lot of the shows I see at that theater are people workshopping like what they're going to do for bigger stuff. So we've seen her a few times over there doing um, some stuff and uh, yeah. Awesome. You know, I love creativity in any form, even if it's not like something that I fully understand or or, like have enjoyed, I still like appreciate it. And I think she's doing some amazing things. Um, the I, I only say that because I wouldn't go see like a comedy show or improv or anything on my own. I really I really am like uh, kind of forced into sometimes these things but then i really enjoy them it's it's weird you know it's like <laughs> i don't know why maybe it's because of the fact that i'm I'm just so busy sometimes i it takes yeah. a while to like push me out of my comfort zone of like work i don't know why i'm just like really stuck in work lately maybe it's because i i want to eat but uh <laughs> anyway long it's story a good short, thing so yeah mm. we enjoyed ourselves uh i've seen i've been seeing movies i've been watching you know um talk about the true detective uh series um
1: What's going on with that? I've, there's a riff going on that I've seen. Yeah. They are, they, the creator is hating on the new season. I guess that's all I know. I haven't watched any of the seasons. No
0: so. shit. Okay, I have to read some of that stuff because uh, I know. Again, my girlfriend does read a lot of that stuff too. I'm try. I try to stay away from it so that I could just like watch it, you know, without. Well, any...
1: really, the only social media I like is film Twitter. I hate. Yeah. I avoid uh, all other social media now with a plague because uh, it's terrible. But I do curate. A Twitter feed where I can just look at movie and yeah, kind of news, yeah. and that, and then I'll just scroll through that maybe once a day for five or ten minutes, and that's it. And so I'll yeah. pick up on stuff like that, and that's I think it's still great for that. But yeah, I just saw that uh, either the creator or the writer of the first season is uh, throwing shade at the new season uh, for mm. its tone or something. I forget his name, Nick Nick P-
0: Palazzo or something. What? Uh, yeah, okay. So look, like the first season, just like. it it ruined it for everything because just people are never going to like any season of this show without, um, I mean, that was exquisite. You've seen that first. No, I haven't seen any of them. Oh, you fucking crazy. (laughs) You need to see that. first (laughs) season. I am not, I I
1: know, I know I'm missing out on great TV. I, 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 I'm I'm not arguing that at all. I just like, again, if I'm watching something 99 out of a hundred times, I'm going to put on a movie. Well,
0: just like, yeah. And long story short, It was so fucking good that it ruined every single thing. That like they should just change it from True Detective to something else because it's just it doesn't live up. Nothing lives up to it. Um, But I still think that's a hard thing
1: with uh, with a changing uh, with with a different cast or a different story each season. I guess that's a a different type of challenge because you're not staying with the same characters,
0: right? Totally. And uh, you know, in this one, they're they're using female characters uh, that are both detectives, and they are kind of the same thing they don't necessarily have a lot in common um but really they do kind of you know it's like it's a weird so they there's like the rub and like you know you like that you like to see these cops that like against everything they have to kind of stay together to do the job right but they don't necessarily like really would if it hadn't been for this job they would never be around each other. Um, so I like it. I think Jody Foster is a fucking badass and the, uh, I don't know the woman's name, but the other girl that is in it is really good too. There's some really good acting. Um, and it does have some thing vibes, which you'd like, um, we talked about that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that definitely, it was picking my interest for sure.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, long story short, everything is like, uh, good. I've been trying to fill up a lot more creativity, um, and, and really push towards a lot more art and do things. um, to start my year. I it was a weird January. Like uh, it seems like nothing ever happens and then all of a sudden like things start to happen at early February. So I've been busy, staying busy and uh enjoying my life out here.
1: Yeah, I'm digging this uh these uh, couple of new pieces uh, the one to your left. Um I saw that on 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 your Instagram and loving it. Yeah.
0: This one is one of my favorites I've done in a while. I've been uh, really collecting like old um cool like uh uh really, really picking them out based on like pieces that I have in mind that I want to do in the future. So a lot of times what I have in the background, like will be part of like the image that I put up here. Um, so I'm going to be doing a lot more of that kind of stuff. I've also been creating a lot of stuff for like future shows and stuff like that. Um, so other than what I'm posting online, there's just like a lot of shit in the background I'm doing. Um, and yeah, I don't know what a cool life I get to have, uh, creating art every day. I mean, I'm uh, grateful for it every day.
1: Hell yeah. Love to see it. You want to so, talk some music?
0: Yeah, let's get on to some music that we're listening to lately. Do you want me to go
1: first? Uh, yeah, go for it.
0: Because we are watching this week, 24-hour party people, I was like, we got to do some Manchester bands, right? Um, and this is a band that uh, I'm not, like, huge, huge fan of, but their early records are really, really special, Um I got to play in the club in my band uh, in 2017, where they were where they were they signed their record deals uh, or their management deal, one of the two, um, called King Tut's Waha Hut uh, in Glasgow, um, and the band is Oasis. Uh, everybody, I'm sure, knows Oasis. But this is a song that uh, is my favorite Oasis song. And so when I was watching this, I just couldn't help but think about So when you're in Manchester, it's pretty small. And it rained when we were there, which was perfect. Um, because, you know, Manchester gets this vibe of like dreary, kind of like, at least with the Morrissey stuff, kind of brooding, kind of, uh, you know, self-deprecating feel to it. It seems to rain all the time. And uh, Oasis is... Um, an interesting band to say the least, uh, <laughs> maybe because of the two brothers. Um, it's pretty, it, it will live in infamy, but they have some great songs. And my favorite song is a song called, um, she's electric. I'm mm-hmm. definitely, I believe it's a definitely maybe record, uh, that that's on. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, love that song. Um, it's got such a cool melody going. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to have a Manchester centric song to throw onto our uh Jukebox, which uh you sent a great meme to me through text, you know, uh a couple of days ago about our jukebox selection.
1: Oh, right. I totally forgot what that was. <laughs> That's right. Uh yeah, no, I was just re-listening to our playlist. So I was like, this is better than actual radio. It,
0: it is. Shows. It
1: actually <laughs> is really good. It's yeah. so
0: eclectic, but it's like, yeah. you know, in the best way, kinda, you know.
1: I I lifted that from somebody who wrote about um, GTA Grand Theft Audio. It just said Grand Theft Audio radio is better than actual radio. And so I just applied that to our thing, which is actually Grand Theft Audio radio is pretty fucking great too. So Um, yeah, this is on what's the story of Morning Glory from 1995.
0: Oh, what's the story of Morning Glory? Okay. I was wrong about that, but yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Great. Uh, I haven't listened to, to that specific album for a minute and I'm not, remembering how she she's electric goes uh i do like that album don't look back in anger has always been one of my favorite oasis songs just for my prefer- preference i mean
0: obviously uh, a very popular band um yeah, i don't think that song was a single or anything uh but it's my favorite for sure of their entire you know
1: uh, actually the third most downloaded song on uh, spotify of the whole oh, album so cl- it's definitely it's definitely classic. a classic one
0: so yeah I guess i'm just not uh as privy to their um uh popularity as most right. people would be yeah but well, it's hard right. it's,
1: it's all it's all it's pretty difficult these days now back in the day you could see which video was playing the most right if spotify uh, has anything to say about it then right. yeah i know it's, i'm always um curious just what that is just like <laughs> older music and how is that reflected on downloads now or streams Uh, but then newer music and so it's just it's very uh difficult to actually tell like kind of what's more popular so
0: yeah Uh, i think if they had a reunion people would fucking shit their pants um like collectively all at the same time you know if they announced the reunion tour it sounds like that's the one band that that fans just like Mm. have been trying for years to get to have a reunion and if they ever do i'm sure they're going to make a shit ton of money (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just reading an essay from Chuck Klosterman that he wrote uh, in one of his collections uh, interviewing, um, I think, Liam, and uh, just going into the riff of the brothers and just how that played out with a, with a band that just had such high expectations. Like with this, was that their first album? Um, what's the story? Because they I were basically...
0: Supersonic, maybe, was the first record? I don't know.
1: Oh, no definitely maybe is 94. Definitely maybe okay yeah that's 94. but just the i mean i don't remember this but like the expectations of being like the next beatles uh at right. the time like uh, just to like talk about like pressure that nobody would ever in a million years want uh but they were living it out in uh the public as feuding brothers too so yeah it's just got all the uh, the ingredients of uh, a crazy rock star uh, story.
0: Yeah, which which we love, which we're here for. for
1: sure. <laughs> as long as it doesn't fuck up people too much, I guess. But yeah, yeah. it is entertaining. That's true. So, so uh, what you got for your awesome. pick? Good pick. Uh, well, I'm uh, my guy's from England. Uh, looks like he was born in chatham though so not quite manchester uh billy childish uh has always been one of my favorite uh, musicians uh has he been somebody that's on your radar uh ever Billy childish so he's been making music since the 70s uh the epitome of like a diy uh garage rock artist he's put out like over 150 albums over even more singles since (laughs) then yeah no he is a pure like independent like uh, record as fast as possible almost like a roger corman you know tying it to movies just like it's always just about uh lo-fi doing it on the go and moving on to the next project and he's been doing that for decades now um garage rock like i said uh i discovered him in the mid2000s kind of in the garage rock revival because i f- I know the hives and the white stripes both uh, accredited him as being a major influence for them back in the day. Um, and so, yeah, he's just a, an incredibly prolific artist. Uh, I think he still does play music and produce music now. Uh, but I think he, similar to you, just paints, paints full time as an artist. Uh, and what his main output of work is uh, the milkshakes, the head coats are one of his more popular outputs um the pop rivets the buff medways these are all just uh, a litany of bands that he's uh led over the decades and he's just somebody who's never stopped producing music and he's always somebody i love he's got a great memoir uh that i really enjoyed about his childhood in england and so the song i'm going with today is we're gone Um uh, 25 years of being childish is a really good, um, entry to his music. It's just, it covers his solo stuff, all the different bands, the different bands he's produced. Uh, Holly Golightly is a great musician that he worked with a lot and he started a couple bands with her. And so that I'll put a link for that album cause that's, you know, with somebody with that much music, it's easy. Right. Yeah. You just to get a little more focus. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. That's, that's cool. And that's the thing. It's like, I mean, when you look on Spotify of what you can find from Billy Childish, maybe two or 3% probably of everything that he's, you know, actually recorded. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just the amount of like stuff that he's put out over the years, like throughout the 70s, 80s, I'm sure there are just plenty of albums that he produced that. You know, maybe 50 copies exist out in the in the world that but are not really available for streaming anywhere. It's a so.
0: bit like a um, a little more focused Daniel Johnson.
1: Yeah, I guess that would be a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, he's still going strong. Uh, I, I see his, he, he'll play shows uh, around in England every once in a while, just small stuff for sure. Uh, I've never had a chance to see him. I would love to one day, but uh, I've I've never seen him play in the States, at least uh, that I've uh, caught up with. So,
0: Well, here we but, go. Yeah. I mean, this is the great thing is like, again, I, I don't know much of his music at all. So uh, you're always bringing something new to the table. I'm excited to check it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, huge, huge guy for me, like, like I said, like in the early 2000s, kind of with the Garage Rock, uh, you know, like going back, like we've talked, like I, I love the Strokes back in the day and they were like a gateway band. Like you just keep on going back oh, to yeah. see who their influences were. You know, like like I think I mentioned the Strokes led me to television, which was one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, but then uh, just going backwards from there and seeing what their influences were. I think that's how I came upon Billy childish. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, you might have been featured on uh, Little Steven's Underground Garage uh, back in the day. So maybe I've discovered it. Later, so
0: it's like a serious XM show, right? With uh,
1: Little Steven, yeah, that's yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his radio station. He's been going strong with that for 20 years. That was a uh, that was a pretty pivotal one. Uh, nonstop throwback to all types of rock and roll. So, uh,
0: cool, awesome, man. Uh, so, what's the name of the song again that you're putting on?
1: We're gone. We're gone. Okay. We're gone. Great song, great little uh, um, rock, garage
0: rock ditty. There's a documentary right now um, on Netflix that I did watch uh, about the making of "We Are the World." Yeah, "We Are the World," I believe. Um, it's on Netflix, and it has a bunch of people interviewed, but mainly Lionel Richie telling the like the story of like how that all went down and shit. And like, it's kind of interesting just in the fact that like he didn't really like realize how that came together and everything. Uh, <laughs> it was like to cure people that are hungry in in Africa, but like all these stars in one room and stuff like that um, kind of reminds me, like you're saying that there's so many like artists out there that just have like such an eclectic style. There's indie artists, like the world is full of so much great things to, uh, to find. I'm glad we have a podcast where we can talk about these things. So, you know, it, just for me, for myself, I'm not, not just for our listeners, but for me to like, you know, dive in to something new and enjoy uh in my life
1: is that the one where bob dylan is in the background yeah just it's great really right. lazily just being like i don't want to be here well because it's kind of like <laughs> yeah there's all these pop not in like an there. asshole way he just looks totally zoned i think that's the one i just i know that that image of dylan i'm just not sure if that's yeah the,
0: there's a section recording of the, there's a section in and about that kind of like you know he just doesn't belong there. He's this like, you know, (laughs) guy from the sixties that's doing all of these sort of uh, protest songs. And here he is with all the pop singers in the world in the eighties in the room. Like, of course he's Bob Dylan, but like, then he goes on the mic and like, he's like, singing like this and you know it's real quiet and uh they're kind of like okay like we got michael jackson going like you know and then there's that you know oh, that's so a it's good like, jackson good well job. yeah <laughs> you got all of these different singers you know then you got bruce springsteen and you've got kenny Loggins, and you got cindy lopper and it's like they tell a really it's really cool to tell a good story about how like they had to produce it with quincy jones behind it like who is going to be matched up with who, where are their voices going to go? How do we do the range of the song? Right. It's kind of like a interesting, like, uh, and again, it's not just normal singers, uh, an artist. It's like the biggest stars of all time. And they're, you know, egos walking into the door and you've got totally. only a few hours to do it. Uh, pretty cool. And uh, I'm actually starting to realize I liked it a little more than I did uh, when I watched it, While well, I'm talking through it. <laughs>
1: Well, when you get a bunch of people in a small space like that, legends, you get sometimes you get that, sometimes you get the Super Bowl shuffle, uh, and you know just I'm gold is the Super Bowl shuffle the, the gold, all the time. Gold is just made in the air when you put everybody in the room uh, in a short amount of time. Sometimes, so that's true.
0: All right, well, cool. Twenty-four uh, hour party people, go check it out. Uh, good to catch up with you, and I think you got the pick next time. So this is my pick
1: yeah we, we're going to stay with uh british documentaries actually we're going to go okay. into the, the up series 63 up uh um, right yeah so that's i know yeah. you're
0: a big fan of those so wow. i have never i've never checked out any of them so i'm excited to dive in
1: yeah it's it's there's gonna be a lot to talk about uh and influence uh richard linklater is hugely influenced by those movies i know you're a huge fan of link of course and just the um uh seeing how those movies has just been had been going since the 60s and uh their their understanding of time uh, uh with their characters I think so we'll be, be starting
0: out. with the first one yeah
1: no no 63 is the most recent one
0: oh okay okay there
1: is i mean it's so yeah it's, they've covered these uh Characters every seven years since they were children and 63 is them being 63 years old. So should, the most we, recent should,
0: one. should we as the audience or even myself, like watch the other ones before we get we dive into it? would you you don't need to kind of
1: no i don't okay. think you need to i think overall we can watch 63 up and talk about the series as a whole you get you get the under it's a yeah. truly a revisiting of the characters so there's not really anything you're missing you're still going to see everything that led up to them where they are at 63 years old and you'll get the idea of what they've been doing since the project started so you you don't have to watch the old stuff but uh, you definitely you know you it will add more to it but uh, talking about the the project as a whole I, the 63 up is the most recent one. And that's uh that would be an awesome place to do it from.
0: Awesome. Okay, cool. I'm excited about that. I've heard you talk about this for years. Uh, oh, so yeah. uh, let's dive in next time. And Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in and listening in to, I believe this is our 54th episode of remainders
1: crushing, crushing the fifties right
0: now. So that's right. So we'll talk to you next time and Pat have a good week and see you again soon. See you, bud. Bye-bye.